Hello, and welcome to the Claremont Bible Fellowship Bible Instruction Time. We now turn you over to our speaker for the day. Oh, good morning. Um, so I asked Tyler to read from Acts 15 because we're going to be in Galatians 2. Um, you'll see the connection um, for sure. Um, so I've been going through Galatians with a couple of different... Um, I mentioned last week that that's what I had planned to speak on um, until the Lord led me in a different direction. I was going to do Galatians 1 and then Galatians 2 this week, but... I think um, we can go right into Galatians 2 this week without chapter 1. Um, again, things just seem to fit into place with, um, with where we are. Um, there's a lot of, a lot of things that, that draw our attention to fight, and people want us to fight with them. They, they, want, our, they want our votes. They want our agreement. Um, they want... Uh, they want the, the Christians on their side. Um, and we see a lot of people professing the name of Christ in, in different directions um, with a lot, of, a lot of things. They say, you know, you can't say you love your brother and not wear a mask. You know, they, they say you can't have faith and get the vaccine. They say you can't be a Christian and do this. You can't be a Christian and yet do this or don't do this. Um, in Galatians 2, Paul was in a fight or describes his fight for the truth of the gospel. The truth of the gospel. A fight for, for the unity of the early church on a, a manner related to the gospel, to the grace of God. Um, a fight for the freedom of the church and, and what true Christian liberty means. In, um, in chapter 1, Paul um, explained his, his independence as an apostle, his independence from the twelve um, in his ministry to the Gentiles. And in chapter 2, he's going to say how he cooperated with the apostles in the same gospel and fought for the truth of the gospel to be the same for the Jew and the Gentile. It is one gospel. Um, Galatians chapter 2, um, we see Paul explaining what, what led up and then the, the during part of what Tyler read in Acts chapter 15, known as the council at, uh, or the conference of Jerusalem. There were different characters. Um, different characters described and different people described as um, Tyler read. And also in these first two verses of Galatians chapter 2, we'll read the first two for now. It says, Then fourteen years after, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and took Titus with me also. And I went up by revelation and communicated unto them that gospel which I preach among the Gentiles but privately to them which were of reputation, lest by any means I should run or had run in vain. Um, so a few characters there, and then when what Tyler read in Acts 15. Um, this goes alongside um, 
this part would go alongside Acts 15 and verses 1, 2, 3, and 4 about those first few verses that Tyler read. Um, We see Paul, and he says here that 14 years after I went up again to Jerusalem, this was after all that had happened, saved on the road to Damascus, uh, going going into Asia, meeting Barnabas. Barnabas invited him to the work at Antioch. And then at Antioch, they see Gentiles and Jews alike in the same meeting, and, and they commend Paul and Barnabas and John Mark. They meet up with John Mark on Paul's first missionary journey, and there's so many Gentiles added to the kingdom. And they come back to, they come back to Antioch and give their ministry report, really their missionary report of what happened in, in the meeting of Antioch, and news is spreading all over the place. Um, and some, some false brethren from Jerusalem come down to Antioch because they've heard about it, and they say, look, you've got to be circumcised if you say you're saved. You've got to follow the law of Moses. And as, um, as Tyler read, there was, there was a big dissension. There was a big dispute, and the elders at Antioch said, let's, let's send you all to Jerusalem. And you can meet with the apostles and elders. We read in the book of Acts, a lot of times when people were saved, they, it says that they followed the apostles' doctrine. They followed the apostles' teaching. We see those 12, um, no, Judas Iscariot, no more, but Matthias, they, they, they would um, agree on the doctrine, on the teaching that was to go out. And now there's this huge dissension in the church send Paul and Barnabas. They wanted to bring Titus too. Um, And we'll go into the reasons for bringing Titus into this conversation. But they bring him to Jerusalem. Um, So Paul, we know who Paul is. Barnabas, um, as I mentioned, Barnabas, Paul's up to that first missionary journey and from the time they go to Jerusalem, his closest friend and ally. Um, Like I mentioned in Acts chapter 9, we see him open the way for Paul it, to first meet with the apostles in Jerusalem, um, to first meet with the church in Jerusalem. The name Barnabas means son of encouragement. Um, we see that in Acts chapter 11. Um, he was sent to encourage the new believers in Antioch, and that's how um, he invited Paul along, help to serve him there in teaching and helping those in poverty in Antioch, and those were among those first Gentile believers in Antioch. Um, and we read that story in Acts chapter 11. Then he went together on Paul's first missionary journey, and like I said, he encouraged his relative, young John Mark, to come along. Barnabas, always encouraging, um, always an encourager to those around him. Titus was a Gentile believer. He worked with Paul after, in Titus 1 and verse 4, it seems Titus was, um, he came to know the Lord under Paul's teaching. He was taken to this Jerusalem conference as Exhibit A, an uncircumcised believer, definitely with the Spirit of God in him. Um, Paul sent Titus to the most difficult Gentile churches. We see he, in 2 Corinthians, he says, I'm sending Titus to you. Um, Titus is coming. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 7. And in Titus 1.5, we know that he is in Crete. And I mean, we have sayings about Cretans. 
um, and how unruly they are. Um, then there were the pillars of the church in Jerusalem. Um, Peter, John, and James, the brother of the Lord. Um, Tyler read what Peter had to say. It was Peter who first um, preached that message at Pentecost to the dispersion, to the Jews that were from everywhere. It was, we see Peter with, the, with the first, one of the first Samaritan believers. We see Peter with the first Gentile convert, Cornelius. And we see that normative salvation take place where they receive the gospel, they receive the Holy Spirit, and then they are baptized. Um, we know that um, Jesus said to Peter that he would give him the keys and whoever he opens the door. And he opened to each section of the world, the Jews, the Samaritans, the Gentiles. So that's Peter. And then John was there. John um, with the Lord in the inner three, of the inner three. And um, Paul mentions him, um, Paul mentions him here in, um, in Galatians chapter 2. James, um, I, I had Tyler stop before James, the brother of the Lord, speaks. Um, James, the brother of the Lord, at this point probably needs a, a little bit introduction. He wasn't there among the twelve. But now he seems the leader of the church in Jerusalem. He was of Jesus' brethren. In Matthew chapter 13, Mark chapter 6, we see Jesus had brothers and sisters that were of Mary and Joseph. And in John chapter 7, we saw they were not among his disciples. They did not believe during his ministry. Um, but in Acts chapter 1, we see them with the early church. Something happened. Um, in 1 Corinthians 15, we see he appeared unto James. From Acts chapter 21, and from the epistle that this James wrote, we know he was very Jewish in his thinking, very um, in his mindset. He brought all of that, the Jewish culture and religion with him in his thinking. Definitely, a believer, definitely salvation by faith, um, but ministry to the Jews, ministry to those especially in Jerusalem. What he had to say had, had a lot of, held a lot of sway with the Jewish believers in Jerusalem. And then the apostles and elders... Um, those that were the other leaders, we know that plurality of leadership of the church in Jerusalem, they, that was there. Although the apostles were still there, there were still elders, a plurality of leadership to all the believers, and the false brethren. The false brethren. What, what Tyler read in Acts 15 definitely goes with the first 10 verses here in Galatians chapter 2. Um, and like I said, Act, Act 1 of this drama um, is Galatians 2, the first couple of verses, and Acts 15, 1 to 5. Um, here's what, what Paul has to say about those events. He says in verse 2, I went up by revelation. I went up by revelation. Um, in Acts 15, we read that the, the elders that, that the church in Antioch sent him, um, 
Paul says uh, that was the action, but it was God who sent him. It was God who sent him. The Lord led him to meeting with the leaders first. Um, in, in verse 2 of Galatians 2, he says, but um, privately to them which were of reputation. We see that in Acts 15, how he goes first to the apostles and elders, first to them, a meeting just them. To, and um, he says, lest by any means I should run or had run in vain. Um, he, he wanted to know, not that, not that he thinks that he's second-guessing his ministry, but he wants to make sure, I came all this way to Jerusalem, I want to make sure this is not going to divide the church. I want to make sure we're all on the same page. I don't know if any of you have ever sat on a board of directors or, um, or in a leadership of a company when, when someone has something against. Yes, you, you invite them to share. You invite them to, to bring their concerns. You want that. But before that happens, you meet together. Make sure we're meeting this on a united front. Make sure we're all on the same page before, um, before this comes in. Make sure we know what we know. Um, and that's what happens at the beginning there of Acts 15. Paul goes, he meets with the, with the apostles and elders. They're on the same page. And then they bring it to that open forum. They, they say, well, we need to meet with everybody. That's the, we had that private consultation and then the public convocation. Um, and that's, we'll read Paul's account of that in verses 3 through 5 of Galatians chapter 2. It says, But neither Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. And that because of false brethren unawares brought in, who came in privately to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they may bring us into bondage. To whom we gave place by subjection, no, not for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. So he's saying these false brethren, they've come in from time to time and we give them a moment to explain themselves, but not even a full hour. Once we see it's a false doctrine. Once we see it's a false doctrine, we take it out of the place. We get rid of it. Once we see it's a false doctrine. Um, when Peter speaks in Acts chapter 15, um, and this is verses 6, uh, or verses 7 to 11 is when Peter speaks. Um, and this is Peter speaking to everybody, to the church in Jerusalem. Um, he says, there's no difference, no difference between the Jew and the Gentile when it comes to salvation by faith. It, I, he, the phrase that he uses is the cleansing of their hearts by faith. The cross, the, the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus broke down the barriers of race and culture in the early church. And if they hold to that truth of the gospel that as Paul states in other epistles, there is no difference but Jew, Greek, slave, free, male, female, all are the same under the gospel. Um, then after Peter spoke, 
Paul and Barnabas give that missionary report, no doubt what they had said in Antioch. They give it again there to the church in Jerusalem. They give a report. Um, and they probably use Titus as an example. They had Titus there, used him as an example. Look, this is a brother in Christ, a Gentile brother in Christ, and he is not circumcised. We do not put him under the yoke of bondage of the law. He's been saved. He is an uncircumcised believer, an obviously saved man. Um, some people have, have pointed out, well, Timothy, though, you know, Timothy wasn't there. Timothy hadn't been circumcised as a child. When he came to know Christ, Paul, had him, Paul told him to get circumcised. Why Timothy um, and not Titus? Well, Timothy was Jewish. And by culture, by, he, he should have been considered Jewish. His mother was Jewish. His grandmother Jewish. Like, he, sh- he should have been Jewish. That would have been a hindrance in his ministry. That would have been a hindrance to Timothy and his ministry. Um, it would have been seen as, as a blemish that this, he was never raised right. He, he, it, it would have been a hindrance to him. Um, being considered, being considered a Jew, being considered well, half he would have been kind of like a Samaritan, but um, Paul had him circumcised. Um, Timothy was a different case. Titus, Gentile believer, and then um, didn't have Tyler read, and it's a long section. Um, James, James gives a very long final word. Um, we find it, um, it goes in Acts chapter 15, it goes, um, it goes really through verse 21 in Acts 15. Um, he, he closes it out pretty much, he agrees with Peter, and he says, look, the, for the Gentile believers, there's certain things, obviously, the meat that is sacrificed to idols, or the meat that has been um, meat that has been gifted to these false gods, don't partake of that. Um, you know, and he says if it's been strangled or if it still has blood, um, you know, it killed with the blood in it, don't eat that meat and, um, and abstain from sexual immorality. These are, these are things that aren't good for your body, aren't good for you. The, don't do those things. But when it comes to the, the law, um, when it comes to circumcision, um, we don't say that anybody saved has to abide by that. It's not part of your salvation or, or your walk with the Lord. Um, we see echoes of Acts 15 through Paul's letter to the Galatians. Um, he uses yoke of, that yoke of bondage metaphor that Peter uses and that in Acts 15, he uses that in Galatians 5.1. The liberty that James talks about, um, the bondage again that James talks about, um, he mentions in Galatians at least five times, and circumcision is used as a, as a metaphor or literally at least three times in Galatians. This was something that they were struggling with in the church. Um, Paul wanted to let the Galatians know and, and have them appreciate 
the, the stand that he had taken for the truth of the gospel. Um, it wasn't, he didn't desire peace for a church that was being misled. Not peace with false teachers. In James, James talks in James 3.17, says the wisdom that is above, or that wisdom that is from above, is pure, is first pure, then peace-loving. The wisdom that is from above has to be true, has to be pure, and then peace-loving. We don't seek just to have peace and we accept all teachings and all beliefs if it doesn't hold with the truth of the gospel. You can't be a Christian if you do this. You can't be a Christian if you do that. We don't hold to those messages other than do you believe in the Lord Jesus and Him crucified for your sins? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Then we see the personal confirmation of Paul's ministry and the truth of the gospel in Galatians chapter 2, verses 6 to 10. We see that the apostles and elders and how we finished off what we talked about in Acts 15 and what followed, um, what followed James's message and what ended up happening says, but of those who seem to be somewhat, in Galatians chapter 2, whatsoever they were, it doesn't matter to me. God accepts no man's person. For they who seem to be somewhat in conference added nothing, added nothing to me. But contrawise, when they saw that the gospel of the uncircumcision was committed unto me, as the gospel of the circumcision was unto Peter, For he that wrought effectually in Peter to the apostleship of the circumcision, the same was mighty in me toward the Gentiles. And when James, Cephas, that's Peter, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given unto me, they gave to me and Barnabas the right hands of fellowship, that we should go unto the heathen or go unto the Gentile and they unto the circumcision. Only they would that we should remember the poor, the same which I was forward to do. So again, he's in Galatians chapter 1, his independence from the apostles. And then here, his commitment, his cooperation with the apostles. They agreed. They agreed. You know, although Peter had opened opened the gates to the Samaritans and to the Gentiles with the conversion of Cornelius, now Paul is sent to the Gentiles. The apostles and and Peter, they would focus on the Jewish church. Um, those saved out of Judaism, and um, they had, and the conference ended with unity. Those legalizers, the the you can't be a Christian if, if you're not circumcised, you can't be saved if you don't follow the, the law of Moses. Um, Paul goes on to show later that he had to fight for the Gentiles' believers' freedom in Christ again by contending with Peter in Antioch. Um, There's not an Acts um, parallel to this part of Galatians chapter 2. 
Um, so we'll stay in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 11. But when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed. So Peter makes a trip to Antioch um, to see the Gentile believers. After this conference in Jerusalem, after this, and Peter stands up and, and he confirms their freedom in Christ. Peter stands up and says, we're not going to put this yoke upon. We believe that the yoke is free from us. Why would we then put the yoke on someone else after they're saved? Um, he agreed with them and, and he wants to see those Gentile believers in Antioch spend some time with them. It says, when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed. For before that, before certain men came from, came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles. When they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. And the other Jews dissembled likewise with him, or separated themselves likewise with him, insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with their separation or with their dissimulation. Notice it's Peter and Barnabas. Notice the, the privilege that they have. Peter is he's safe and accepted in the group of Jewish believers. He's safe and accepted in the group of Samaritan believers. He's safe and accepted in the group of Gentile believers. But when, but when the, the, the Jewish people come, when the Jewish believers come and other people come from Jerusalem and they're a little uncomfortable, they're a little uncomfortable. Peter says, you know what? I'll go with you guys and I'll meet, I belong more with you guys. And then some of the Jewish believers, including Barnabas, some of the Jewish believers that were in Antioch, that were a part of the unity of this this gathering of believers in Antioch, they separate themselves too. And they say, you know what? It, we're, it makes us a little uncomfortable to be with the Gentile believers. And that separation, that separation caused the Gentile believers to feel less than. They, they don't have a seat at the table with the Jewish believers. The Jewish believers felt themselves more holy when they met together. And, and Paul goes straight to Peter. Paul goes straight to Peter. He says, When I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel. This isn't a matter, this isn't a matter of being comfortable. It's gone past a matter of, of just of, you know, I, I feel better in this group and you feel better in that group. And well, now it's a matter of the truth of the gospel the way that this is being communicated, the way that this is being taught. I said unto Peter before them all, he goes to this, the group of uh, Jewish believers that have separated themselves from the Gentile believers. It says, if you being a Jew have lived after the manner of the Gentiles, before, before the Jewish believers came up from Jerusalem, he was feasting with the Gentile believers. P- 
Peter was living amongst them. He was comfortable. He was eating at their meals. He was, he, he was meeting with them in their church. He, he was in and amongst them, and he, and he himself felt the freedom to do that. But then now in their meetings with just the Jews, now they're saying, oh, those Gentiles, they don't know as much as we do. They're not as holy as we are. If, if, they, if they wanted to be like us, they could totally be like us. If they, just, if they followed the same rules that we did, if they were clean like we were clean, um, you know, according to the law of Moses, if they held to the same standards, then maybe they would be welcome in our meeting. And Paul says, this is a double standard. You have the freedom to live as you want, but the Gentile believers do not. Um, the people who study, who've studied Galatians disagree on when Paul's conversation, when his recollection of his conversation with Peter ends. Does it end there in verse 14 or does it continue to the end of chapter 2? I don't think it really, it doesn't matter because it's all instructive and it all flows, even though I know in a lot of the Bibles that I have, it separates there in verse 14. And then um, it says it acts like 15 is different, but verse 15 starts with we who are Jews by nature. The, the church in Galatians in Galatia wouldn't have had that many Jews. It wouldn't, it's not a Jewish-based church. It's a Gentile-based church. Um, so I, I think it, it continues a little bit there with Paul. He's talking to Peter and to the Jewish sect that had formed. Um, not a group of, of free believers with freedom in Christ, but just another sect of the Jews. Um, he says, we who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ. It's the first time that we see the word justified. First time we see the word justified in this letter. Um, And many people believe that Galatians was Paul's first letter that he wrote the first time we see Paul use that word justified. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ, not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. But if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves are found sinners, as therefore... Christ the minister of sin? God forbid. For if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. I am crucified, for I through the law am dead to the law that I might live unto God. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness came by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. 
Paul is saying that, that Peter, in, in what he did when he got to Antioch, in separating, just tearing apart the unity of that church in Antioch, in separating them, Peter had violated the truth of the gospel. And, and we see five basic Christian doctrines laid out in Paul's argument here, and I'll try to go through them quickly, but five basic Christian doctrines that were being violated in this separation, this separation of, of churches that based on we're more holy than you. First of all, obvious, the unity of the church. The unity of the church. In verse 14, um, yeah, verse 13 and 14, we see that the separation, the dissimulation, the dissimulation. Um, Paul's words to Peter would have stung. You, being a Jew, live after the manner of the Gentiles. You are living after the manner of the Gentiles. That would have stung that whole gathering to know you're you're claiming holiness by the law, but yet you've you've gotten rid of it. You've already admitted that you can't live up to it when you took on Christ. Um, Destroying the unity of the church. And then verses 15 and 16, um, justification by faith. Justification by faith. Um, the phrase justification by faith, was the, the, that was the chant, that was the, the word of the Reformation, um, right? The justification by faith. What does it mean? In Job 9.2, Job asked the question, how shall a man be just with God? Um, in, he, in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 11, we see, an answer, Habakkuk 2.4, the just shall live by faith. It's a verse that's quoted at least, I, I, just a quick look, three times. Three times in the New Testament, the just shall live by faith. Habakkuk 2.4 is quoted. Um, the first time in Romans, then here in Galatians, and then in Hebrews. Um, I looked at, and, and some commentators, I've read it, um, I think it was, I think it was Wearsby, you know, the Galatians Wearsby commentary, and he says in Romans, it's Romans 117 that quotes the just shall live by faith. Romans 117, the surrounding scripture explains the just. Who are the just? Galatians, in, verse, in chapter 3, what comes after this, explains the shall live part. And then in Hebrews, we can guess what Hebrews is all about. Hebrews 10.38 quotes the just shall live by faith, and that explains the by faith part. The just shall live by faith. Um, the, one of the most complete definitions of justification that I found is justification is the act of God whereby He declares the believing sinner righteous in Jesus Christ. 
And the, the words of that are very interesting. I think of it, the act of God. Justification is not a process. There's other things that are a process in a Christian's life. Justification is not one of them. Justification is an act. One Christian cannot be more justified than another. They're the same. Justification is an act of God. It is an act of God. It's not given by works. Um, it's an act of God. Um, and it's whereby God declares, not makes, not transforms, not, it, it's not justification, again, not a process. He declares God justifies sinners. He declares sinners righteous. Not people who believe themselves to be good enough. Not people who are working hard and think that they're good. Um, The Lord Jesus said he didn't come for the healthy. He came for the sick. Um, It's not a pardon. Justification isn't a pardon. It's not a uh, you know, it's not forgiveness. All those things are in Christianity. Those things that we are pardoned, we are forgiven in a sense, but justification is different. The next, um, the next ba- basic Christian doctrine that was being violated is freedom from the law. Freedom from the law. In verses 17 and 18, you know, as I've, I've read Galatians before and the whole, if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. And, you know, that trying to dive into that and what Paul means by that. Um, we, we, we read at our remembrance meeting this morning, the veil being rent. The veil was rent. It, it, it was broken down. The way was broken down only through Jesus, right? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Jesus was the way to the Father. Freedom from the law. Freedom from that bondage. And the way that the Jewish, Jewish believers and Peter had been acting is now there's, there's a new separation. They built it up again. There's a separation we, the Lord Jesus broke it down and we agreed with it being broken down, but now it's built up again. And you're over there and we're over here. Verses 19 and 20, the very gospel itself. They had violated the very gospel itself. We're, we're saved by faith and we live by faith. Saved by faith and live by faith. And then lastly, in verse 21, the grace of God was violated. The grace of God was violated. If we, if we pick up the law, we're setting aside grace. So quickly, our response to this. How can we know that we are um, that, that we're holding to the truth of the gospel. Am I holding to the truth of the gospel in my dealings with, with believers around me and, and professing believers around me? There are a lot of people that, that say on their profile page on social media, child of God, 
um, Christian um, that, that are not, that are not, right? Broad is the way, broad is the gate, broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, we know, we know this. Are we part of the remnant? Are we part, are we on the narrow way? And do we hold to the narrow way in our dealings with the people around us? First of all, considering ourselves, do I believe I've been saved by the grace of God? Do I believe my salvation, my personal salvation was by God's grace? Am I trusting in my morality? Am I trusting in my good works or the cultural values that I hold to 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 win my way to heaven? Do I believe that's what makes me a Christian? Um, Do I mix grace and law? in my thinking and in my, my dealings with, with other people? Do I hold them to the law and never mention grace? Um, am, I, am I rejoicing to God? Is it about my justification? Is it about my justification? Is, it about, is my rejoicing about my justification by faith in Christ? Um, and remembering I can't be more justified than any other believer. Am I walking in the liberty of grace? Am I walking in the liberty of grace? Not license, not license to sin, but just enjoying Christ with other Christians. Enjoying Christ. Do I find myself free to enjoy Christ with other Christians from different cultures or different backgrounds? Am I able to enjoy Christ with them? I think of um, young believers in their, in their music choices. When I, think of, when I think of liberty in Christ, I think of, of you know, in, um, no matter what age you are, if you were saved as, as a young person, there was music that you liked, that, that you heard the lyrics and, and you knew that they were praising the Lord, that, that the lyrics were God-honoring. And maybe the older brethren just didn't understand it. They didn't, un- they didn't understand it. And, um, but as a young person, you're, you, you understand the music. It's there and, it, and you know that they're praising the Lord, that, they're, that it's glorifying to God. Um, there's, a, there's a freedom in that. There's a freedom in that. Um, I think that's young believers, um, the freedom to recognize... Uh, that, that we glorify God, different cultures and different, um, different music styles glorify God. We know the piano was invented in 1700. That was 1700 years after Christ. Um, David, David in dancing and, and with all the different instruments and everything through the streets, glorifying God, the freedom, um, freedom in Christ um, to enjoy Christ. It's not license to sin, but it's freedom to enjoy the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, Am I willing to defend the truth of the gospel? Um, Galatians 1.10, Paul brings out, we're not men pleasers. Do I seek to please men? Um, You know, many of people, many, there's a lot of people that, that we may meet that are culturally Christian. They, they mention the Lord, um, 
but they have not trusted in the truth of the gospel to save them. Do we call it out? Do we take advantage of those conversations? Do we call it out when we hear it? Do we put in a word? Um, put in a word from, from above. Put in a word of the gospel when a comment is made that we know from someone who has professed to be a Christian or says that they're a Christian, believes that they are a Christian because of any other means other than the saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? Do we call it out when they say something that's unbiblical? Do we take the opportunity to, t- to teach the truth in love? Um, and then finally, am I walking uprightly according to the truth of the gospel? Our, our verbal defense, that word of wisdom, will not be heard if my life contradicts what I teach or what I say. Um, I'll leave with one um, illustration that I found. You know, um, through all of this, the, the, standard, the standard of righteousness is set. We know we walk worthy uh, according to the calling that we have. Um, there was, there's a story of this new employee on an assembly line. And the part that he was on was, was a valve, a certain valve that had to be just the right size. Just the right size. And um, you know, and, and his job was to throw away the ones that were too big, keep the ones that were just right. And um, after a while, um, the foreman comes back to him and says, You're, I taught you how to use that micrometer that, that, that showed to, to measure. I showed you how to measure it and what the setting should be. What's going The people down on the end of the line are saying that you're giving them parts that are too big. The valve is too, the opening is too big. What's going on? And he said, well, just the majority of the ones that were coming my way were bigger. So I just widened the lens a little bit. I widened it up a little bit so we could send more through. Um, that's, not, um, that's not God's way. Um, changing standards never make true success. But you maintain the standards of the truth of the gospel. Um, and that was, that's what Paul was fighting for here. And he, he tells the Galatian church, he, he fought for this liberty that they would be included, that they would be included in the body of Christ, that they would be included in the church. Um, but he maintained, always maintained the standards of the truth of the gospel. And so should we in our daily life and our communication with those around us. Stand up for the truth of the gospel. And we don't have to seek, you know, seek peace and um, we, we seek to live peaceably with the people around us, but we don't compromise the truth of the gospel. Um, and when, when we hear something that's off, um, call it out like, like Paul did. Call it out. And if, they're, if they are a believer and the Holy Spirit in them, they'll see, um, they'll see the error. Um, but always be true to the truth of the gospel. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you um, for your word that we can, um, we can read about all manner of things that your people have been through. Um, we're encouraged to, to see that the, the struggles and the temptations and the trials that come our way are common to man. Um, as some of the same things the early church 
um, the early church saw come up or are still coming up today. Um, Lord, help us to hold firm to the truth of the gospel. That justification is by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, we're all one in, in Christ. The unity of the church, of your church, um, justification by faith, and that this salvation is only, only comes to us through your grace. Lord, we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ, his sacrifice on Calvary's cross, and help us to live our lives as if we've been crucified with him, and now we live through him. And he lives through us, Lord. We just pray that um, as we go through our lives, that we would be a light, a city on a hill, that we would be the salt of the earth, um, that wherever we go, Lord, that we would that we would turn conversations, that we would um, seek opportunities um, to share the truth of your gospel that you've given to us. Lord, we pray now you would take us back to our homes in safety. We thank you. Um, we're able to be here today um, and learn together and worship together. Um, and we thank you for the opportunity, and we look forward to the day that we are together with you in glory. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.